Hey, Hyvie and Steve here with a quick message about our amazing sponsor, Timeless Pints Brewery. You know, Timeless Pints is local right here in Southern California, off the 405 freeway, Cherry Avenue exit, right next to the Long Beach Airport. And they are open and filling growlers during the coronavirus crisis. Chris and Mary are there during the week. Stacy is there on the weekends. And they can fill your growler so that you can stay home, do what you're supposed to be doing for coronavirus, and uh, enjoy your timeless pints in the comfort of your own home while socially distancing and keeping everyone else safe and healthy from your germs. They've got all different kinds of beer, stouts, porters, light beer, dark beer, Belgians, and it's all delicious. They make it here on site at Timeless Pints right here in Lakewood. What more do you want? Go down, get your growler filled, and enjoy the best beer in Southern California in the comfort of your own home. For hours and beer availability, you can look them up on Facebook at Timeless Pints Brewing Company or follow them on Twitter at Timeless Pints. And when you go down, say hi to Stacy or Chris or Mary. Make sure you tell them the Wretched Hive sent you. Welcome to the Wretched Hive Podcast. I got a bad feeling about this. Moss Eisler Spaceport. What are you talking about? You will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. This is ridiculous. We must be cautious. Actually, we're just a bunch of guys talking about Star Wars and other stuff. I'm looking forward to having some real talk with some real folks. That's good news. I like the sound of that. You know, there are some moments in a a young podcaster's life that are, are just a little more special than the rest. And I had one of those moments last week. I shared it with Scott when we interviewed the Steve Sansweet. And I cannot wait to talk about it and share with you because you have found the Wretched Hive podcast for Friday, October 2nd, 2020, episode 161 of the show. My name is Steve Baldwin and a bunch of the guys are with me. I don't have a rookie co-pilot tonight, but we're going to try it. Hopefully I won't pass out because the ship will crash like the Falcon on one of those asteroids somewhere in deep space. But I don't think that's going to happen because you know what? We've got a lifelong Star Wars fan to keep things going. Evansky. Oh, my God, Steve. I am so excited to be here tonight. We don't have the Wookiee co-pilot, but we are going to keep that energy up and just crazy excitement tonight. Crazy excitement. Way better than any debates that are going on. No interruptions tonight. Uh, we are going to go full-blown Star Wars. Oh, excuse me. Excuse me. I just, let, me, let, me just let me let me hold on. Hold, uh, I'm just going to shake my head over here in the corner. Can, no, you, be- can you believe that we interviewed Steve Sansweet last week? I cannot believe it. Oh, my God. I had an hour with him. I am so pumped over people getting a chance to hear this interview. It was so good. And uh, what good. an amazing man. I mean, I'm hardcore fan. I fanboyed out, I think, the whole time. It was hard for me to even speak. But, <laughs> man, it was so good. 
We've, we've got some highlights. We've got some highlights queued up. Um, it, it's it's uh, it's a great interview, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about it. Also on the show, he is the captain of the Nico Effing Rodriguez. Oh, hey, hi. How are we doing? <laughs> Good, buddy. How are you? I'm all right. Well, I guess since we don't have a co- uh, wiki co-pilot, that should be more of a Stevie motherfucking B. <laughs> I'm in the house. How are we doing tonight? I'm doing great. I'm always excited to talk to you. I've got my, well, I'll, I'll save this. I'm wearing a special shirt tonight. want to talk about this also eventually. It is an abomination. Shirt. It's mm. an abomination that um, I'm pretty sure there's only one person in the world who would like to see that shirt? Did you Me. see his eyes? Look at his cold, his dark shark like dead, dead eyes. Dead eyes. They're yeah. penetrating no deep into your eyes. soul. I have a penetrating deep into your something. That's for sure. And one of the uh, one of the co-hosts bought me, so I have to wear it. Lost a bet. Wait, so Steve will wear whatever we buy him? Hang on, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Uh, okay. That could be Hold a on. game wait changer a right there. If it's for Star Wars, it's for the show. I'll. I'll wear a Princess Leia bikini so, if you guys buy me one. So if oh, I buy we'll you, talk after the show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's to, just introduce I this last man. He is the one and only Dave. Never, ever call him Harry Potter. Welcome to the show, Dave. Thank yous to my favorite rebel scum, Stevie B. Hang on just a second. I'm finishing up my to-do list. I didn't get a chance to work on this last night. Hang on. Uh, one. Update. Passport. <laughs> Two. Right. Good luck with that. <laughs> become poll watcher for Biden Harris <laughs> campaign. Just uh, got it. Hoping yeah. for the best, planning for the worst. Right there. Yeah. Just just yesterday we had the presidential debates. That's. Uh, I'm sure we'll be referring to uh, to the that quote debate unquote a few times during the show tonight because it's uh it's it's on all of our minds frankly i wasn't around for pearl harbor but i just can't help but wonder like <laughs> god can I, well, can I say something in dave's on um, dave's behalf here is jump jump in i i know we're in a pandemic still although some parties or people want to keep thinking it's not happening but mm-hmm. um was it weird that we didn't get to see him running around the stage stalking his opponent like like Hillary? I honestly I, I was expecting that. It may have been the only rule that he followed the entire night. <laughs> I think I read that he that uh, that uh, the President Trump um, interrupted Biden. I think it was like 121 times or 126 times, or interrupted the proceedings, not just not just uh, Vice President Biden. Um, I think he only interrupted Hillary like 50 times or something. So he, he doubled up on his interruptive uh, quote um, quota this week. So oh, God. for what yeah. that's worth. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, because 50 would be OK. <laughs> right. Exactly. Hey, hey Dave. Can I? Uh, do you have room in your suitcase? Can I just like sneak in there when you, when you take off, man? Because I'm coming with you. <laughs> man uh so did he ever use the line um i'm i'm hold on i'm just gonna jump in here real quick wow drink (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna let you finish but i just gotta jump in here real quick to say something well 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 played 
<laughs> so, so I do. Awesome. I do want to change the 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 topic here real quick. Let's go ahead. So and do that, I'm Dave. hoping you can help me out with a sound cue because I have a Star Wars choices for one of my fellow co-hosts tonight. Ooh, we want to just jump right into Star Wars choices. Are I you, do. Are I do. We sure? got. I gotta. I gotta do something here, man. Can we handle this? Are you sure we're up for this? I I think we can. All right, let's have to I, I promise you, I'm looking right at the person it's that this is aimed at. Star Wars choices. Think of a hard choice you'll face in the near future. It's true. Okay, would you rather be intimate with a Wookiee? Choose wisely. Or be intimate with Ula, but Jabba gets to watch? I just assume he's a Wookiee. Why do I have to choose? Star Wars Choices on the Wretched Hive podcast. Dave Potter, you're throwing it down. What is your Star Wars Choices for episode 161? This is aimed specifically at Scott Ivansky. God damn it. Fuck you, Scott. (laughs) Wheel of of Pain is going to Scott. So, Scott. Yeah. You have to choose one thing to watch on a repeating loop for the next week. Oh, Oh, shit. I can't wait for this. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or option number two. <laughs> God. The oh. first presidential debate between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. God damn you, Dave! Oh my God, I cannot believe this is the hardest. No, you know what? This isn't the hardest one. I'm going to just go right out. Honest to God, The Last Jedi is now, like, it is It is the Oscar contender. It is the gem of all things. Just so I don't have to hear that bloated, interrupting fool anymore. I can't see. Wow. Are I, you insane? I am insane. I have been driven insane, and Last Jedi now has become the greatest thing on the planet. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's a soundbite you're going to use in the future, I think, uh, Mr. Producer. Oh, yes, sir. Let me make a note of that time. 1040. Okay. Let's close this out really quick. <laughs> You know, it's not. It's rare that we have a Star Wars choices just for one of us. I, yeah, like, I like. I like that. I like uh, that approach. Just want. Just wanted to change it up there real quick. I mean, honestly, if you guys want to weigh in too, but it was. It was very specifically crafted for Mr. Ivansky. Oh, okay. The, seriously, that has to say a lot. That really does have to say a lot because you have heard this argument for two years solid about how much I hate that movie. And I'm going to tell you, even that fucking kid at the end of the movie <laughs> has now become like the gem of all things. Uh, like just perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Broom boy, broom boy, Trump's Trump. Broom, oh, okay. totally. All right. Oh, you know what, Dave, this is for you, man. I want to say thank you for bringing this choices to me, but I'm going to go out on a limb. I will actually go beyond this. I will watch back to back for one solid week, The Last Jedi, and every damn clip of Chewbacca Mom. What? Oh, wow, wow! Did yeah. you see Nico's face on that? Hang on. 
Yeah. Nico's like, so just for the, the listening audience at home, you don't get to see the computer screen. Nico is laying back in his, in his couch or his chair, whatever he's on there. So he's a good distance away from the camera. And I saw Nico's eyes pop wide fucking <laughs> open on that, like an old school Calvin and Hobbes cartoon. Yeah. Like that was yeah. almost funnier with all respect to you, Scott, and that generous offer you made. That was almost funnier just watching Nico's reaction to what you said. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Well, <sighs> that's he just a lot. The lights off. I guess he wants to be alone with his C-3PO shirt. Uh, sorry. <laughs> uh, let's ex- let's explain that one. I'm I, getting I, flashbacks I, of the Wolf Lodge. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Good pull. <laughs> that, was, that was an epic moment, too. I am wearing a, uh, a C-3PO shirt. Uh, it was given to me by one Scott Ivansky, who's now doomed to hell to watch episode eight for a week straight on a loop. Because what he but, chose. But to, fair enough. Let me just let me clarify this. I have been doomed to hell for quite a few <laughs> decades. But uh, yes. <laughs> uh, and uh, I. The best part about the shirt, I mean, it's got almost a full body shot of uh, 3P. I'm going to stand up so you guys can see it here. Yeah. Best part is what it says at the bottom. <laughs> it says, stay golden. Stay golden. Oh, that rules. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. It's my yeah. uh, it's my official 3P. I, it's my actually one of the... Well, it's not my only merchandise I own with 3PO on. I've got a couple of Lego figures, and I think I got a bottle cap that uh, the Wookiee co-pilot's wife sent me as a joke, a, a bottle opener with 3PO on it just to annoy me. Did oh, you my- have a mug as well? Uh, I, You know what? I might have had a uh, – I, I never had the mug. I had a um, – No, I think he had a mug. It was like a cooler. Wasn't it like a, a koozie thing or for a can? Cooler? No, no, no. I that was part of a bet that Steve had to kiss my C three PO mug that I actually. Oh bought. yeah, you oh, have the C three. Yeah, that oh, really okay. shiny, the shiny gold one. That's like yes. it looks exactly like a mask. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I made out with that thing. Yeah. Nice. It was horrible. You did. It was. It was a little creepy. I'm not gonna lie. You were a little. You were a little too into it. <laughs> well, if uh, if you've ever made out with a three PO mug. <laughs> I don't know. About a creepy old mug. Give where, me a creepy old Where mug. is your head sometimes, man? <laughs> Give me a call and uh, let me know if you enjoyed it as much as I did on the Wretched Hive hotline. That's 562 455 4483. That's 562 455 Hive. That's H I V E. In case you can't spell Hive. You got damn right. And you can also find us online at Facebook.com. That's www.facebook.com forward slash wretched hive podcast. Yes, I can. I just did. And you can also find us on Twitter at wretch hive pod. You can find us online. You can stream all of our shows from our website, wretched hive podcast.net. All right. So we've got some uh, news to cover guys, believe it or not. Let's do it. From ABC News World Headquarters, this is ABC World News Tonight. No, it's not. It's Star Wars news with the Wretched Hive. So be it. Well, I'm going to start out with uh, the most important news of the day always comes from this show. And Scott and I 
had the amazing opportunity of interviewing a genuine Star Wars celebrity and all around wonderful man, Steve Sansweet, president and CEO of Rancho Obi-Wan. He joined us for our exclusive hour-long interview with him last week. We had a great time talking with him about his well, just a wide range of topics, Scott. We talked about his early career in journalism with the Wall Street Journal. Um, he he talked about covering the Kennedy assassination as a student at, at Temple University. Yeah. Uh, his time at the Journal um, as bureau chief in Los Angeles through transitioning to Rancho Obi-Wan and, and the, the stuff they're offering there now. It was uh, a great time we had with him, Scott. I, I had a blast. Uh Okay, normally I, I try and play this a little serious, a little fun being on the show, but I am going to fully fanboy out right now. I was so excited for this interview, and I, I'm going to be, I, you know, I didn't even tell Steve this. So the whole hour before that interview, uh, let's just put it out to you the way I would normally tell the audience. I freaked the fuck out. Like I had a total like moment where I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to handle this because this guy has been a part of my Star Wars fandom life for a long time. Um, we did get a chance to talk about some personal stuff. Uh, you know, we brought up some of the books that we own that he's published. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I am going to say one thing. We, you definitely have to go and download that that episode. That whole interview is fantastic. Steve put on such an amazing – like he knows how to interview so he obviously knows how to be the person being interviewed and just was amazing. He was one uh, of those. You know, you, you, it, 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 Steve Sansweet, someone like he, he's been in in front of the camera, uh, in front of the microphone for for 30 years. The, the man knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah. And so I try to uh, try to ask him some questions that maybe he hasn't been asked before. And I. I isolated a, a few examples of that, Scott. So, so this first one, um, I asked him uh, about his transition. You know, he had a 27-year career with the Wall Street Journal, really on top of the mountain in terms of newspaper journalism. He was um, bureau chief at the the LA office, and he just he gave it all up to pursue his passion, which was Star Wars. And I, I asked him to talk about his thought process during that time. Um, so I have, I've isolated a few clips. So this is uh, our interview with Steve Sansweet, episode 160. Uh, and this is uh, us talking to him about his transition from the Wall Street Journal to doing Star Wars. You were bureau chief for a, a major publication, the Wall Street Journal, in the, the country's second largest market in Los Angeles. And you you decided to give that up and follow your passion, which is Star Wars. Can you talk about that? And, and what were some of the decisions and your thought process during that time? It was all Joseph Campbell's fault, the amazing, <laughs> amazing uh, 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 person who really brought mythology to the college level. And um, he said, follow your bliss. And uh, that's been sort of uh, my uh, my. North Star for many, many years. Follow your bliss. We owe Joseph Campbell a debt of gratitude for Rancho. Rancho Obi-Wan would not exist if it were not for Joseph Campbell's influence on Steve Sansweet. How about that? 
Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm glad he brought him up. I, I really was. Like, we know the influence that Joseph Campbell had on Lucas, but, you know, his his work and, and what he's done has influenced so many people in not just Star Wars, but in life and, set, and in storytelling, the way that yeah. he has presented the hero's journey. And, and here's here is a perfect example of basically a guy who followed his bliss, did this. I, God, seriously, it, it is a fantastic interview. I'm I'm still in awe of this interview. <laughs> it's it's really from from someone who is you know just a you know we're often very transparent and, and open on the show. As someone who's 52 and thinking like, do I really love what I do? I like what I do, but do I really love it? And looking at what Sansweet did about the same age that I am now to walk away and do star wars like what does that even entail you know he took this what what he was told a one-year job to promote star wars at four or five conferences and he ended up staying for 15 years at lucasfilm yeah crazy yeah, uh we also asked him about his uh his time um writing for star wars insider and Scott mentioned uh, in our prep for the interview, Scott said, you know, I've got all these Star Wars insiders and sand suites all over them. He, he wrote this column for Insider. And uh, I've never heard him talk about his time writing for Star Wars Insider. And so we asked, um, what did you do for Star Wars Insider? Were you also writing for Star Wars Insider or contributing to Star Wars Insider while you were in that role? Or was that before while you were at the journal? How did Scott's a big collector of Star Wars Insider? So we said, so, yeah, I, I, was, I did the uh, Scouting the Galaxy column for many years for Insider. I don't even remember when it began, but it was uh, it was while I was at the journal, certainly. And it was six to eight times a year. Um, and it was answering people's questions about Star Wars collectibles and then writing some, you know, it was, uh, it was a fun column to do because I would get these uh, handwritten letters or these block printed letters from seven-year-olds. I just bought a fill in the blank. How much is it worth? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you paid for it, kid. <laughs> Whatever you paid for it. Steve, Willing I think buyer, Willie seller. Steve Steve has a sense of humor about uh, Star Wars and about what he does, and uh, it, it really came through in this interview. The, the last clip I'll play is, uh, you know, we joke about Scott's garage on the show. And I told Scott, if it gets comfortable enough with him, I'm going to ask him if it's okay that we call Scott's garage Rancho Obi-Wan South. <laughs> and uh, here's that exchange. Hope hope that we don't offend by joking about Scott's garage, calling it Ranch Obi Wan South. Please don't sue us. <laughs> I I probably won't as long as Lucasfilm doesn't sue me. Uh, we have an agreement though. They're they're happy with Ranch Obi Wan, and they've used Ranch Obi Wan, and Disney has used Ranch Obi Wan. So I think we're safe for a while. <laughs> I think you're okay. So let, we're in the clear. Woo, Scott. Kay. So Raj is officially Ranch Obi Wan South until he changes his mind and sues us. Okay, okay, hold on, hold on. Let's before we jump the gun. I've since we've had this interview, Steve. I've already contracted somebody <laughs> <laughs> to create a sign which I'm going to mount above my garage that says Rancho Obi Wan South. Have you really? Did you really do that? Yeah, I contracted myself. I'm going to carve the sign myself, just like my tiki bar. It's That's going a, up above the garage. 
So if you make that some kind of tax deduction, Scott, you will be the next Donald Trump. <laughs> can I charge you? Can I... Who, who, by the way, that guy shouldn't get a deduction on his haircuts. So he should get a refund. <laughs> but you're probably paying uh, more federal taxes than than he does. I'll tell My you cat what... is paying more federal taxes than. Never mind. That's. <laughs> Oh my God! Anyway, yeah, no. go ahead. Finish your thoughts. <laughs> I think I've paid more federal tax than him in the last fifteen years than, than so, the one uh, year, than the first year he was president. So, yeah. so anyway, great, great interview. And uh, Scott, I, I'm glad that we experienced that together. That was a lot of fun. And and uh, Dave and I have made the trek up there uh, with our friend Chris. Uh, I would love to go with with everybody on this show it's it's uh it's i called it la mecca for star wars fans uh during our interview and it, it certainly is that it's it's a, a a very special place yeah i i think i even got a little uh, a little uh exchange in there with uh with steve about that feeling kind of bad that was my remorse was not being able to go on that trip and and basically said when things do open up and become normal again at some point i am definitely going to, going up there to support rancho obi-wan you yep, and me so. both scott you and me both because i missed the trip as well and now here i am i've missed the trip and i missed the interview well you can download the episode listen to the interview episode 160 and i will happily happily go along uh, tag along with you guys if you go again now until then, you can also uh, go to RanchoObiWan.org. You can become a member. It's $50 a year to support. Uh, it's a it's a tax-deductible donation. They are a 501c3 nonprofit. Uh, you can also um, join their virtual museum. There's five different levels. The top level, I think you get interviews with Steve and all kinds of back um back of the lot sort of views of stuff and then the lowest level is just a couple bucks a month and it gets you access to articles and different columns that that he puts out every month um so well worth the investment and you get to contribute a little bit to uh keeping star wars alive for future generations uh at an actual museum that's that's meant for star wars so it's it's a great it's a great uh thing to support so highly recommend that you do all right. Well, so let's move on, guys. We actually have some uh, some legitimate <laughs> news stories, believe it or not, uh, not just from the Hive, but some other news stories. Um, all right. Hasbro. We need to talk about Hasbro because yeah. Has Hasbro and this is going to bridge into the Mandalorian. Scott, I know you want to talk about the Mandalorian. You got some news to share. I, I do, but I, I, I'm still you know what? We're going to move on. But seriously, there is some electricity in the air. I get to call my garage Rancho yes. Obi-Wan South. Seriously? You need to make a plaque for your garage that says Rancho Obi-Wan South. And oh. it's it, Steve Sansweet said it was okay. He wouldn't sue us, at least. <laughs> guys, guys, seriously, I hand-carved the Tiki Bar sign for my own home Tiki Bar. I am going to carve a very nice logo sign and it's going to get mounted above my garage <laughs> do it do it do all it, right so do it do it do it do it do it oh where am i come on do it come on do it, there we do go it, do it do it do it God, do i have to do everything steve slow slow on the drop <laughs> sorry I'm like about the that. world's worst soundboard over here <laughs> where's greg when you need him um all right hasbro you know those giant they've got that hasbro lab where they 
they do like a, a, a put out, you know, if we get 10,000 backers, we're going to make this amazing ship. And they did it for the, for the uh, Jabba's uh, skiff. Yes. So they are doing the same thing. Star Wars Vintage Collection. Um, they're, they actually surpassed their goal of getting 10,000 backers to create a Razor Crest for the Mandalorian. Oh. Giant Razor Crest ship. Um, the model for this thing, I'm, I'm looking at CNET.com. The model, the mock-up for this thing looks incredible. It's actually exactly the right size for a three and three-quarter inch figure. So it's scaled for a three and three-quarter inch figure. So imagine how big this ship is. You know, it's, it's got to be, you know, uh, well, here I can read it to you. I've got the specs right here. It's 30 inches long, so about two and a half feet long, 20 inches wide, and 10 and a half inches tall. That's pretty big. Uh, the cockpit opens to reveal a fully detailed interior. Um, and it, it's actually, they, they uh, have enough backers that it's going to come with a Baby Yoda, a unique Baby Yoda figure. They were Is aiming it, for 6,000 backers for just the ship and 10,000 backers for the Baby Yoda figure, and they met that goal. Sorry, Dave. So do they they call out uh, the character as the child or Baby Yoda? Ooh, good call. Uh, let's see. Because that could be – I'm just saying we could break some serious news here tonight. CNET, CNET, this is not Disney or Lucasfilm, CNET is referring to Baby Yoda. Hold okay. on, hold on. I'm not Break, sure that counts. Breaking news, it is on Hasbro Pulse's site. It's called Exclusive The Child Figure with the hover uh, carriage that it floats in. Right. So, yep. And that's from HasLab. That is Has from HasLab or Hasbro, Hasbro Pulse. Yes. And chicken nuggets or something like that? Chicky nuggies. Oh, now oh, I think it nuggies. also it also comes with the uh, the little ball on the control panel that that yep. uh, the child plays with, and uh, it's got a lot of detail in the cargo area, full array of weapons, um, the uh, carbon freeze chamber. Does it come a with a like? Does it come with a half dozen or so frozen bounties? That would be so cool. It looks like it, if you go to the Hasbro Pulse site where the, the container room is, there's at least one in there. So there's possibly two or more. Um, if you have not picked up the Baby Yodas, any of the product, I do have the Black oh, Series. Black Series, yeah. There you go. And it does come with all those little things, the little ball, a frog, and... Know, That's a bowl of bone broth. Yeah, a little bit of broth. Now, yeah. If we all chip in seventy-five bucks, we could get one of these, and it could hang right above my head in the Palatial Wretched Hive Studios, right here. It could guys, also hang right here above my head in you, my living room. You guys could see it twice a month. <laughs> I could see it every goddamn day. Oh. You know what, Nico? You know what? If everybody goes in, I'm in. I am in, and you can be the first one to have it for the first six months. I'm in. Let's buy one. Oh, my. I'm down. I can't afford $75, but I'm tempted to just buy one myself to spite everybody right now. <laughs> I'm about to say, you know what? If nobody's in, I'm going to do it anyway. 
It's three hundred and fifty bucks. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's a, just don't tell Christine. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's Trump change. Trump. It's, it's a pocket change for the Donald. Exactly. Trump change. Uh, it's, it's about half of what he paid in federal taxes in uh, 2017. So. Well, well, really considering cool. I have supplied- fake news. Fake news. I pay millions of dollars in taxes and personal taxes, which is not a thing. That's the fake news. So, Scott, you, you had some other Mandalorian news since we're on the Razor Crest. Uh, you had some Mando news, Scott. What are you, what are you hearing about a certain actress uh, that's, that may or, may or may not be confirmed? We'll get to that in just one minute, Steve. I do want to note that I have supplied the Wretched Hive offices with almost all the ships hanging up behind you right now. Well, so Literally all the ships. Well, yeah. actually, uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, all of them are. All of them were supplied by on loan from uh, Ranch Obi Wan South. There you go. There you go. Uh, uh, touring, touring exhibit. Yeah, let's let's talk Hasbro. Let's talk some more collectible stuff and some breaking news. Uh, according to Hasbro, they have released. Let me get this article pulled back up here. Uh, what looks to be the official uh, first photos of Rosario Dawson as a Ahsoka Tano. Uh, in the Mandalorian, um, the new lightsaber uh, packaging art has been released by Hasbro, and it shows her in full makeup and gear, oh. and does have the headdress coming down around her. So, uh, with the dual lightsabers, I am super excited for this. She does now, look that, pretty good. Is that on the Has uh, Hasbro Pulse site? Where are you seeing this? So I'm not I- seeing this image. Yeah, I'm pulling this from... So typically they do have uh, release outlets before it gets officially released on the site. Uh, this is being released through giantfreakingrobot.com. Mm-hmm. Um, but these are actual packages that they show from uh, Force Effects Elite Lightsaber, the Black Series, with Ahsoka Tano and the Mandalorian uh, information on it. So... Okay. Um, now Disney has not officially announced Rosario Dawson as the in the in the role of Ahsoka has that that uh, that has not been officially announced although it's a it's a poorly kept secret yeah at this point okay all right but this so, is the first is this the first image we're actually seeing of her then it is the first image that we have seen of Rosario Dawson in the full Asana uh, Ahsoka Tano uh, makeup and. Like I said, the headdress and everything—it's all there. The uh, it, it's shocking. Like I wow. am pleasantly surprised by the way it looks. If this is actually the official version, I'm super happy with it. So maybe this was a way that Hasbro or uh, the, uh, the whole Lucasfilm was trying to get their information out there to maybe test the waters, see how it would the reactions would be. But I'm pretty happy. I haven't done a lot of research on how the reactions come about, like with fans and all that. Quite mm-hmm. frankly, I'm kind of done with that because we got so many <laughs> negative feedback from whatever the, the the anti-culture that's out there. But I'm happy. I think it. I think it's going to be a fun ride. I'm I'm really curious to see how they're going to introduce her into the series. You know, they they always kind of do this. There's always either a slip or. You know, there's 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 some sort of like art that gets leaked out on a Lego box or you know, yeah, so, something that that the fans always find. It makes me wonder if they do it on purpose, frankly. It, it, I just yeah. I, Go ahead. I wonder, like, is this actually really 
the actress or is this just mm. another like artist's rendition of um what she's supposed to look like sure because if you look at the other like force effects elite sabers like there's one for darth riven like that's not anybody who's ever been in like beyond the games anything and you look at that box art and that looks like oh shoot are they gonna put riven as Mm. some sort of character in a movie or a tv show or something because of how well done that artwork is i think it's the it's the art style of those boxes so i don't know if we can call this you know a slip or something like that because she's a character that we've already seen um i don't know i'm just i'm not buying it um i'm buying it you make you make a good point, Nico. So I'm going to scroll down through the article, and it looks like what this is is an artist rendition of what Lucasfilm, I guess, technically does is they'll release certain images to a lot of the uh, marketing teams from the, the different divisions, and it looks like this is an artist version of the official photograph that was being presented to them. So, yeah, in that sense, it, it is an artistic version of her, but it is officially released under Hasbro. So, um, again, that's why I'm, I'm saying that this is an official release of an image that she's going to be looking like. So even if it is, it's kind of like the, you know, the card backs and stuff where we don't have the full actor or actress um, in, in the case of photograph of them, that they'll do an artistic version of it. But. This is Rosario Dawson, so it, it's it interesting. Come from Lucasfilm. <laughs> it, it has not actually officially come from Lucasfilm. There you go. All right. Myth busted. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. I mean, it, it. This artwork looks like Rosario Dawson. I mean, it does not look like the animated Ahsoka okay, that we know well, from the show. The Darth Revan doesn't look like a character model from Knights of the Old Republic. Okay. So it, it looks like a. That <laughs> they have to play him. He must be coming to a movie or a TV show somewhere in the you yeah. know very near future. Exactly. Did it come from Lucasfilm? That's right. Hmm. Well, Not yet. what what I'd love to say though, real quick about this is, um, and this has happened many times before with marketing and toys is we will get glimpses of secrets or things that are going to be happening in a movie or a television series prior to them actually being officially released. So what we're seeing here, even if it's an artistic, an artist version of the, the character, it may not be the final version. Even the, the article points that out is, you know, what we're seeing here is the proposed look of what we're going to get from the uh, Asano, uh, Ahsoka Tano. Why do I keep messing that up? I'm, I'm not having enough to drink tonight, apparently. <laughs> That's okay. It took me three episodes to be able to say Scott's Cantina Corner. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so it's all right. Um, talking about toys. Yeah. There is a new Lego set that is quite tempting uh, for old Steve over here. Uh, Lego unveils epic Moss Eisley set. It's not just the bar. It's the... It's, it's 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 goes beyond just the just the bar itself. Uh, it, it is the Moss Eisley Cantina, but it's got it's got uh, 
sort of like the surrounding area, like the entryway. It's got characters that are looming, uh, that are walking around the, the front of the of the cantina. It's got the, you know, the dust troopers, the the desert troopers. Um, it's got a dewback, huge dewback. Um, comes with multiple minifigures. Comes with Luke. Comes with Greedo. Comes with C-3PO. Guess I guess you have to. Well, you just give that to somebody if you don't want it. Uh, it comes with Jawas. It comes with Sand Troopers. It comes with the Cantina Band, which is cool. Uh, it opens up into this like sort of. I'm looking here at uh, Space.com. Actually, has this article. Uh, oh, and this is out this week, October 1st. So as the show airs. This is now available. Uh, comes in at the low, low price of three hundred forty-nine dollars. So now I got to buy this plus the Razor Crest. I'm in for seven hundred bucks for this show alone. Okay, I, I might be down for this too. I mean, seriously, I might be down seven hundred bucks because seriously, look at the amount of figures you get in there. You get Luke, Han, Greedo, Han, yeah. Honda Baba, aka Walrus Man. You get R two, C three PO, Chewbacca. Sand Troopers. I know we just went over some of these, but you almost get the entire Cantina cast of characters plus Obi Wan. Um, good God, Steve! It's a lot of fun. It's a big set. It's a big set. So you guys do the Lego thing at all? I any no, no Lego? No, not at all. I do, I have a few. Yeah. Okay. I do. All right. See, I've got I've got I've got kids that are just newly minted adults. So, you know, five years ago, they were all into the buying the sets and, you know, we, we, we start Christmas break by, you know, going and buying a big Lego set and putting it together together. So hell yeah, that was fun. Those were good times and we still have a lot of them. So these always catch my eye. This is massive, Steve. I'm, I'm on Lego site and they have some, unbelievably detailed you get the bar uh tender you get whirr in there oh yeah um good god i can't even name all the characters <laughs> like that's yeah there's there's like a ton there's it looks like there's maybe 20 minifigures or something there's there's a ton of them yeah you got that little uh who's the little guy that that wants the drink at the bar he's like reaching up he's the little short guy yeah uh, with the, the bat face uh um, yeah you got him on there in there that's uh oh my god i know this cobby his name is Cobby. I actually know that I have that action figure. Good pull. Oh my god. Yeah. So that one, that one looks looks uh, looks like fun. Wow. Uh, um, all right. Let's let's move on from this. Um, let's jump over to Marvel while we're we're gonna well, we're gonna take real a little quick. Yeah, real yeah, quick yeah. Before you do, I've got something about Marvel. Or Marvel Ooh. Mandalorian casting. Oh, okay. As it All was. right. Moving too far away from Mando. All right. Jump so, in there. You go. Um, I know this is, you know, kind of moving away from my uh, did it come from Lucasfilm, but I think we're pretty close to. Did it come from so, Lucasfilm? Yeah. I think we're pretty close to on the nose with this one. Um, hearing about Pedro Pascal is no longer going to be playing the body of the Mandalorian in season three because of some unfortunate events in season two. Yeah. So what's up with that? When I saw that it sound, it looked like clickbait to me and I was like, eh, yeah, this I is mean, the way I've this been is hearing. The way, Steve. Yeah. I've been hearing 
rumors about this kind of thing for the last couple months from different sources. So I think it's come from enough different places for long enough that it's not, you know, some ride the wave kind of clickbait story that, you know, one person says and then it, you know, comes up for a lot of things. But, you know, we'll have to wait for season three to see what happens. But basically, Pedro Pascal is just whining and crying that he's not getting FaceTime on the show. He doesn't get enough time with the helmet off. And he went and cried to George when he was on set one day, George Lucas. Dad, they're bullying me. Make me wear a helmet. And then basically, uh, they told him to fuck off. And he left the set because he kept taking his helmet off in the middle of scenes when he wasn't supposed to. He was uh, messing up his lines. He was showing up late. He was giving people attitude. Really? It just seems really shitty that somebody, you know, it's like you have this opportunity to play such an awesome character and such an awesome, you know, piece of media. And you're just whining and crying about wanting more. What I, I'm just curious, what's the what's the source on that, Nico? What, what's so your, this what is um, where I'm reading it from is coming from comicbook.news. Okay. Um, so it's not it's is, not quite movie web. Not quite movie web. <laughs> uh, but this was uh, this was posted a week ago today, um, on the 23rd of August, as we record a week ago. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and he was. Um, Another thing that he was crying about was that um, Baby Yoda and um, you have to who, give me a moment while I try to remember her name. Um, one of the uh, actresses on the show. Oh, my brain is not working. Let me see if I can find it here. Wrestler. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah. What was that? She was a wrestler, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Talking about the plays, the um, plays, the the uh, former rebel. Um, Gina, yeah, Carano. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, Gina Carano. So basically, he's he's. Thanks for saving us, Scott. Yeah, thanks, Scott. He's he's saying that as the titular character for the show, he should be getting more screen time and more props but um that her and baby yoda are getting to be more and more popular than he is even and uh he's getting jealous of it i i hope that's not true i I do too because if it is it seems really petty yeah so it this reminds me of a a story that may or may not be true but it's so good that i i'm going to tell it as if it's true from an 80s TV show that y'all may have heard of called Knight Rider. I've heard something about that, yeah. yeah and yeah. Uh, David Hasselhoff, uh, at one point, uh, said he was going to hold out. He wasn't going to show up for work. He was the star of the show, and he deserved more money. To which the producers replied, no, David, the car is the star of the show. <laughs> and did he reply, don't hassle the Hoff? No, he showed up for where he shut his fucking mouth and showed up and did his job because yeah. yeah, it's all about Kit. I'm just saying, yes, oh, the show is called yeah. Mandalorian, but we're tuning in to see Baby Yoda. We're tuning yeah. in to see Baby Yoda, Pedro. I, yeah, this I I'm this just I can't imagine and, someone like him would be so petty to use your word, Nico. I I hope yeah. it's, it's not true. 
And I mean, you, you've got to look back at the history of Star Wars and masked or helmeted characters. I mean, yes. Darth Vader now has been played by four different people. You know, one of which wore the suit and the helmet for years and we never saw his face and we never heard his voice. And then they put somebody else's voice over it. And then they took the helmet off and showed somebody else's face. Hey, Sebastian Shaw got more screen time than James Earl Jones. And then they took and then they took his face out of one of the movies and put somebody else's face in there. Like So, yeah, actually, George Lucas is not the person to approach if you think you're not getting enough screen time. You're right, Nico. And Boba Fett never took his helmet off, and then he fucking died. So, yeah, it's just... Yeah. He should count himself lucky to be part of the Star Wars universe in such an amazing and, you know, hugely impactful way as he is. Um, And, yeah, I'm really hoping this isn't true. Um... Well, I, I, Nico, but, I, want, yeah. I want to add to Nico's story because I did. I, I've heard this, and I've actually looked into some of this stuff. But I think there's been some updates. And what's sad is, and 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 no knock towards Nico here is it's pretty much true to an extent. However, some updates have happened, and it looks like some stuff has been resolved. So, adding on the the fuel and the flames that Nico's talking about here. It looks like these events actually did happen. There was a walk-off on the set with Pedro Pascal, and Favreau and a few people have been interviewed by Entertainment Weekly and a few other more credible or highly credible sources Mm. uh, talking about this. However, it does look like he's coming back. It may be like Dave said, that they kind of put him in his place and said, we don't, anybody can be the Mandalorian. In fact, we don't even have to have you we can bring another Mandalorian in. So I think Pascal kind of sat back and said, I better, I got a decent job here that's paying pretty good. And people know my name, at least by association with this. And he does get to take the mask off at the end of the first season. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Sorry if, if you haven't seen it yet. I, I you know, with, with stuff like this, yeah. I, I, it, it, you know, I always have to look at the source and I, I'm looking at, I just Googled Pedro Pascal walk off set and there's 20 articles covering this. Yeah. Here are the sources, the sun.com comic book news.com inverse.com. We got this covered, uh, insider.com giant freaking robot. So in other words, all the sources we usually quote, uh, there's no, there's no Hollywood reporter. There's no variety. There's no, yeah. You know, it, so uh, I, because I, I like him so much as a as an actor, and he's he's great on on the um, the Disney uh, backstage series uh, uh, that features the Mandalorian. Disney, what do they call it? Uh, Disney Plus. No, it's on Disney Plus, but it's the series is called Disney. Uh, gallery, Disney galleries, the, oh, yeah. the Mandalorian, that that back that background thing, the the um, back behind the scenes, you know, Mashable.com is another one, CheatSheet.com, Cinema Blend. Um, I, he seems so genuine. I just hope that it's it's not true. But you know, if it is true, if it you know, yeah. worst case scenario, he throws a bitch fit, goes total diva, and they say, okay, fine, you we've. Boba Fett 
is Boba Fett coming back to the Mandalorian? All those scenes we see of him? Mm -hmm. Okay, what if Pedro Pascal's The Mandalorian is not the Mandalorian of the show? He's the introduction to the Mandalorian universe, and the Mandalorian that we're really getting is Boba Fett, who's going to show up and say, hey, you're the fake Mandalorian, whatever. I was raised in the way, you know, and takes the bounty of the child. And the show goes in a totally different... They could do that. They could. I loved the concept, uh, a fan concept, that the child is actually the Mandalorian in the future. And we, we flash forward in a future season 200 years to see... Uh, the, the child, a full-grown Yoda species in Mandalorian armor, a little guy. Uh, <laughs> how, would, how would they do the ears? It's uh, a great question. Well, I, I mean, if you know the history of the Mandalorians, they're, they're, that outfit, that style or look is... I don't know why I'm surprised Scott has an actual answer to that completely bullshit joking question that I asked. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm going full, I'm going full throttle. He on has this. an answer to everything. You know that. I, Honest to God, if you look at the history of the Mandalorians and the style and the look of the suit itself, it's not always exactly the same. There are similarities, but they will fit certain species look or body makeup. So if you do look back, you will see a history of the Mandalorian suit and armor uh, fitting all these different species that we've been accustomed to throughout a galaxy far, far away. And, you know, if, if Pedro Pascal did walk off the set, I'm just saying... Dave is about his size. It's about the same size. Oh, hey, there he's we tall, go. He's tall. He's kind of broad, kind of, you know, athletic buff kind of a dude. Dave, Dave could pull that off. I think so. I think so. Yeah. This I is nominate the way. him. <laughs> <laughs> so we already got the line down. Just, I have just spoken. A, just well, according, real, yeah, go ahead, Nico. Well, I was going to say, according to this article, it was less of a walk-off and more of a all right, you're going to be an asshole, then go home. I clock out. We're not going to keep you here today. We'll do other scenes, like go home, buck off. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's I, this like, article, a, real quick, a real quick quote from this article from LM, L, LRMonline.com says, a while back, Grace Randolph, now we need to look up who Grace Randolph is, claimed that there was a behind-the-scenes dispute which led to Pedro Pascal walking off the set, putting the future of the Mandalorian in jeopardy. Grace has used the quote from John Favreau in the Entertainment Weekly article saying that the second half of the season will focus on a bigger story to defend her story. Some other outlets have even claimed that Pedro has quit the show. While it did seem crazy to think Pedro Pascal would leave the show, it was just crazy enough to be true. And if you follow this story, you'll see what they, they kind of go into the breakdown where I think that dispute did lead to this kind of like investigative reporting from all these different uh, entertainment sources. So, so I think there's some truth to this. So basically what I'm hearing is many people are talking about it. <laughs> many people are, t- including Grace, us. Grace Randolph is an American comic book writer, host, and YouTuber. So it must be true. Must be true. Clearly. I heard it on the internet. So staying on staying on Star Wars television, Ewan McGregor making some news, talking to uh, ET Online. That's Entertainment Tonight, a very legitimate source of of uh, entertainment news. He gave an update. Uh, 
he talked about um, he was actually out promoting his series um, where I think it's on Apple Plus where he rides his motorcycle with his his best buddy. Um, I don't know the friend's name, but they 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 are riding the motorcycle from South America to Los Angeles, and they're they've recorded the the trip and they're creating a television series out of it. What's that series called? Yeah. Show show prep, show prep is what OB, I know. I was just saying. OB, I, think I, I had it. Ob two wheels. There you go. I think I this this part of the pre-show meeting. Right. <laughs> um, but I was uh, updating Skype. He mentioned in this interview that um, he thinks the Obi Wan series is a single season, a standalone season. Is what That's he right. Called. Go full Watchmen, folks. Yeah. So it would be it'd be more of a like a mini series. He says, as I understand, it's a standalone season. We'll see. Who knows? And uh, he also mentioned that they kicked forward production to the spring. But uh, aside from that, it's still Deborah Chow, very accomplished director from Mandalorian, who really his whose stories in Mandalorian season one were fantastic um and uh they're everything is it's uh, it's gonna debut the same night they're tightening up the scripts he said the scripts are very good but they're tightening them more and uh it's set to begin production in the spring now i'm springboarding off what dave said if they can pull full watchmen on one season of obi-wan i'm full-on fucking into this because that is still hands down one of the greatest shows i think ever made and if they can even remotely come close to that even get in its wheelhouse, they will have a mega hit on their hands. So yep. fingers Talk- crossed that they can pull this off. Talking about other great television shows, along with the Watchmen, uh, my crowning achievement on this past Sunday was finishing season two, Cobra Kai. I well done, sir. Binge the whole thing, all 10 episodes. Uh, <laughs> so, and I'm already missing it. I yeah. love that show. It's so much fun. So here's my question for you guys. Yes. Yes. Is it or is it not true? The character Tori. Remember the character Tori in season two? Female kind yes. of antagonist, if you will. Right. Mm-hmm. Is it or is it not true that Tori has the same last name as Allie, the Elizabeth Shue character? What? Wait a minute. Slow I've down. I've seen that theory being floated on the internet, on the Ooh. interwebs, and uh, I haven't had time to research that. But I was yeah. like, oh, actually, I remember a very pointed discussion about that car- Allie's last name between Johnny and uh, Ralph Macchio in season right, we, one. Like, they very the, deliberately, like, drew out, oh, that's her name? Well, why is that her name? Well, da-da-da-da-da-da. Like, they mentioned it a couple of times. So we've got the crack. Looks like the crack Wretched Hive uh, research team is on this. Um, I, I will say that as we were watching it, I'm going, you know, when are we going to get the cameo at the end of uh, what's her name? The actress, uh, Jennifer. Elizabeth Shue. Elizabeth Shue. Elizabeth yeah. Academy Award winner, Elizabeth Shue, I believe. <laughs> uh, yes. Leaving Las Vegas, I think. Yeah. Right? I, I, I know Nicolas Cage won for Leaving Las Vegas. I can't remember if she did. Um. And by the way, are you guys watching the boys? Have you seen the, any of the boys? 
Yes. She's in the boys and she's fantastic. Oh well, yeah. She's fantastic she's... in general, but yeah. Yeah. So don't, if you're not watching the boys, do not give that away. Like, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. We, we got to wait until you guys, Nico, have you seen okay. any of the boys? I watched like the first four or five episodes of okay. it. Okay. Um, couldn't stick with it. It's time, dude. I don't have yeah. Yeah. I don't have time to sit and watch TV. When I do, I'll watch like three or four episodes of whatever show it is, and then that's what I get for like the month in like a day. Yeah, <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. Okay, so Steve, you brought up Cobra Kai, so we have to talk about something without giving away too much or spoilers. But we do know that there is a uh, reveal at the end of season two. Yes. Uh, and we, we've mentioned the person's name, but um, there she is not shown. Uh, we just see a little glimpse of it. Um, but there are other hints throughout the entire second season. Dave, did you watch season two? Are we going to... I am done with season two. We are I current. We, yeah. we binged it in a single day. Yep. You don't have to worry about spoilers here. Um, okay. I think you're uh, fine. So yeah. that's my thing, is I know the whole thing with Allie is supposed to be the next part of it, but... There is a mention of Daniel going back to... Um, well, hold on a second. Hold on, just for our listening audience. Hang on. Hang on. I mean, I'm all about the audience. There you go. You've been warned. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Dave, uh, Dave is always so annoyed with me when I play that clip. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Go ahead. Go ahead, Scott. So, so <laughs> there, there was a mention of Daniel going back to uh, Okinawa. Um, hmm. So I, my big thing is, yeah, we we're going to see Ali of some sort. Ali is also brought up in this in the season as being a pediatrician surgeon. Is that what it was? Uh, of some sort and yeah. what did we see at the final episodes is the big fight sequence where the kid falls off the balcony and is probably in need of a surgeon for breaking his back so is she going to be brought in as that character that's going to come in and help save uh that main character also if daniel goes back to okinawa are we going to see characters from part two which is the girlfriend that he he fell in love with his true love, not Allie. And here he is married, and now he's going back to see the woman that he actually fell in love with at one point in the second. This series is so meta, I freaking love oh, it. Oh man, do I need to walk away again? I still haven't finished the show either. Oh uh, damn it! All right, sorry, we didn't realize that you uh, hadn't finished. I will just say, there's there's when last... Jeffrey Dean Morgan comes out with a baseball bat, I was really fucking surprised though. <laughs> um, the, Too the, soon? The the, <laughs> fa- the fantasy that Johnny Lawrence has about the neighbor, the dream sequence, <laughs> is so funny. It's it, it's it's just so cheap. The show is so bad that it's good and intentionally that way, and it just laughs at itself, and it's great. It, it's just it was great fun. I, I I enjoyed it a lot this this Sunday. It was a uh, good time. Good time well spent. Good times, yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's a fun show. All right. Uh, also in entertainment news, uh, Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman made some Star Wars news this week. 
Oh, sorry, it wasn't Natalie Portman. It was Kira Knightley. Kira Knightley. Wait, who, aren't uh, they the same? They are the same. Uh, <laughs> Natalie Portman, uh, of course, was in Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Message. Uh, Men- the Phantom Message. Sure. Uh, the the Phantom Me- uh, Menace. Uh, she she uh, couldn't remember the name of the character she played. Uh, the Phantom was- Mensahe. Sabe, who was of course the uh, one of one of Padme's handmaidens, and uh, was a double to uh, to uh, Padme, and served as her decoy. Um, she couldn't remember what her role was, uh, but she did not roll out rule out going back to the Star Wars universe. So how would we like to see Kira Knightley back in a Star Wars role as an old Padme? <laughs> Oh wait, sure. shit! She that it, that'd be a boring Star Wars something, wouldn't it? And just Who, be... which decoy dies in the second one? Spoiler alert! <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, it's, oh, hold on, hang on. No, just kidding. I won't. I, won't, <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want daggers through the through the through Skype for Dave again. Um, Dave, Dave's gonna crane kick your ass the next time he sees yeah, you. He is. <laughs> it's an illegal kick. Uh, anyway, I thought it was interesting. I've always loved her as an actress, and yes, Kira, come back to the Star yeah. Wars universe. Welcome, we'd, we'd welcome you with open arms, and you can come on our show anytime. By the way, Kira, you don't have to be coy about it. Just call me up. Huh, you don't have to be coy about it. See, <laughs> well done. Uh, are, are we still wait, waiting to hear a response back from Anthony Daniels' uh, people? Or is that what's going on? Oh, where's the soundbite when you need it from Greg? <laughs> with Anthony Daniels as C-3PO with there. Anthony Daniels as C-3PO oh well I wasn't really sure what to make of it uh, <laughs> alright let's see what else I got here oh hey have you guys checked out this new feature on Disney Plus called Group Watch no, no but Group that sounds watch. like a great way for us to be able to watch the movie together and do exactly. our fucking commentaries. You buried the lead, Nico, but that's okay. Disney Plus adds Group Watch for up to seven people. You can all get online at the same time. It queues up everybody's movie to play at the same time. You can comment uh, through emojis. If you have it, on, if you have the app on your phone, I guess you can. You can send uh, messages during the movie while you're watching it. Uh, you can invite friends to watch with you. And uh, it looks like a lot of fun. So I, we need to try this. Hell yeah. We need to try it nine times. <laughs> oh, my God. oh my God. I think it's funny that they talk about it as, um, yeah, you can have seven people watching it all together. Okay, does that mean that it's it's I can only have five devices uh, if two people have their significant other next to them? I or guess. like am I I'm not allowed to have seven people in the room watching one and then like one person on six other devices? No. Because how about we just say, you know, seven devices can watch it together. I think it's funny cuz like you're going to be sitting here watching it by yourself. Right, right. It says, yeah, it says seven people specifically. So who knows? Interesting. But uh, yeah, it's coming to Disney Plus in October. They tested it in uh, New Zealand, I believe, and uh, Australia. 
and Canada and uh, coming to the U.S. in October. Well, we got to get on this. Right? Uh, I'm down for it. I think it's a it's it's going to be a good feature for that app. That's going to be that's going to uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. I definitely will watch with uh, my my son Aaron, who does not live with us anymore, and it'd be fun to watch uh, you know Mandalorian with my kid remotely. Hold on, I, I got Disney uh, uh, Helpline online right now. Let me check with them real quick. Um, All right. Disney Plus is online, and we're trying to figure out, guys. Uh, Nico had a question on our show, the Wretched High podcast, about this group viewing thing that you have. Uh, what, what do you have to say about that, Disney Plus? Are you insane? And it's disgusting. All right. yep. uh, Dave, you wanted to touch a little bit on Marvel. What's going on in the Marvel universe? I, I I saw that there was some news. Are they pushing back some timelines or something? It is impossible to have a Marvel Cinematic Universe if there are no cinemas, and that's apparently what's happening. It's I, it, this is interesting to me because it kind of loops in so many of the things that are happening around us, the, the pandemic and economic conditions and all of that. Uh, so movie theaters have opened a little bit in some markets. Warner Brothers released Tenant, which was supposed to be a big flagship blockbuster tentpole movie for the summer. Uh, it hasn't even cleared $100 million in the United States. Yeah. So everybody's scrambling to push their big investment movies back, and that impacts Marvel even more so because Marvel has these television series that also tie in. And Marvel is very strategic in mapping out how it unveils all the different story and plot elements. They're not telling a story in true, you know, sequential order, but they like to plan when they turn over their cards. So they're not just pushing back their movie slate, they're pushing back their TV slate, too. But yeah, Black Widow was supposed to come out in November, and now it has been delayed until May of 2021. Which means 2020 will have no Marvel films. It'll be the first uh, year without a Marvel film since 2009. And the only Marvel wow. product we will see, because we were supposed to get Black Widow, we were supposed to get Eternals, and we were supposed to get uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. The only product we will see this year will be uh, the TV show WandaVision, which will premiere in December, I believe, within a week or two of The Mandalorian's end. Has there been any announcement uh, about the What If series? There has not been a formal announcement about What If yet. They theoretically, if it, anything was done, they could start to roll that out and kind of fill that in. But yes, but it doesn't tie into anything. So yeah, that that's drastic, Dave. That really is. You know, Dave, you started by saying we can't have an MCU if there's no. You, if there's yeah. no C, if there's no cinemas, um, but what about the television? I mean, you know, the the what's interesting to me is that the stream. Remember, we were talking about the streaming wars a couple of years ago, and Disney Plus hadn't launched yet, and you know, Netflix and and uh, Hulu were shaking in their boots, and and you've got you know all these platforms, all these up and comers, and and right after. Disney Plus launched, COVID happened. I mean, the timing of this is just, it's, it's tailor-made 
to keep something like the MCU alive now that we've all got the ability to stream through broadband um, using the apps on our phones and, and on our laptops. So, I mean, you know, you, you've got to think that that the, the television is is going to continue to be the major player um, for Star Wars and Marvel and, and other properties. It, it's going to be a major player, but the problem is a lot of these movies have budgets that are predicated on getting into theaters. Mm-hmm. Disney has not released any actual hard data on what happened with Mulan, but I'm just going to throw out there that if they're moving Black Widow back, there is no scenario where Mulan was is bringing in revenue that is comparable to what it would have brought in if the if this was a normal year and theaters would have been open. Uh, I was reading an article in the LA Times today, actually, that the theater chain owners, the National Alliance of Theater Owners or National Association of Theater Owners, the other NATO, if you will, uh, they are actually petitioning Congress for some type of assistance because they do not believe the industry will survive in America. Uh, 75% of, excuse me, 93% of movie theaters in the second quarter have seen their revenue drop 75% over the course of the second quarter. And I, you don't need to have an MBA, you don't need to go to business school, and you don't need to have specific numbers on costs and profit margin to understand if a business's revenue is down 75% for an extended period of time, it will not survive. You know, there to is be no honest, scenario where it can. So I'm just curious, the second quarter, that's like right in the middle of the year after the shutdown was in full effect. How did they even have 25% of their revenue? How did they not go down all the way to like 90 or above? There were a lot of areas. Drop? There were a lot of areas that didn't shut down all the way. There were theaters that stayed open and studios have been releasing, you know, older products out there just to give theater houses something to play. Yeah, The Empire Strikes Back is playing yeah. at AMC theaters in Orange County. But here's the thing is like the movie theaters that cover like 30% of what actually generate box office grosses that we all follow on box office mojo and all that. Those are in the big major cities, New York, Los Angeles, Houston, and those places are not open for business yet. So there's actually a fairly good geographic chunk of the country that's open for theater business, but because they don't represent a large chunk of the revenue, it, it it's not enough to entice the studios to actually put their big products out. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I don't I don't know what's going to happen, but I know if this if these conditions continue, that forecast that sounds very dire and apocalyptic for movie theaters that will come true. Because like I said, if you really are at seventy five percent of your revenue, you cannot sustain your business model. Well, what I find interesting, Dave, is and this is going to get to a bigger scope, and I apologize ahead of time, but let's just let's just tackle this real quick. One of the big changes that has happened over the last 10 years, maybe even longer than that, is how everything's always been predetermined on how the box office revenue happens in the U.S. But what we've seen, at least in the last 10 years, is how much the world uh, gross has happened or has changed or even dominated many of these big companies like Disney, where you're going to see major, major films 
making way more. And some of those some of those markets are even strange ones that you know. I know you and I have been following Box Office Mojo and a few other sites as well for God at least two decades now. Um, but you know, markets like Russia and China, those places make up a huge percentage of uh, that global tally. And in some cases, in many cases, again, over the last 10 years, have actually surpassed what is happening in the U.S. So to see that happen, is this something that maybe uh, these movie studios can use to their advantage until we can, as the United States, as America, can get through this? Uh, the only problem is, is you're going to be losing a certain market, like somebody who strategically places their movies out there like Marvel, Disney and Marvel, um, that could have an effect. I can see that happening. But do you think that there's a possibility that that could be the saving grace for these studios, minus those big event tentpole films like Marvel Cinematic Universe? It could be. I don't know that anybody's cracked the code yet. The international market is huge, and it does do a lot for these summer blockbusters. But by the same token, a lot of these summer blockbusters work in international markets because at the end of the day you don't need subtitles or translations for a car crash or an action sequence you know if you're trying to do uh uh when harry met sally or uh my best friend's wedding that's not going to do as well overseas simply because it's dependent on dialogue and and language and timing and that's not always going to translate true yeah so it, it 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 becomes a completely new way of doing things and let's be real, if there's one industry that isn't great at doing that and adapting for change, it's definitely Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a that's a good point. Um, I do remember um, I do remember that being a big issue is certain types of films or genres don't translate very well into foreign markets just based off of uh, where it's coming from and, and how Hollywood perceives things for people here in the U.S., yeah. And to Steve, you're, to go back to your point earlier about what about video on demand, would I pay 30 bucks to watch Black Widow in, on my 4K TV in my living room with Christine? 100% yep. I would do that. But yeah. if there aren't enough of me's out there, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I th- you know, oh, Steve, go ahead if you were going to jump no, in. No, no, I was just agreeing. Well, I, I was going to jump in real quick, if you don't mind. Fuck you, Scott. Um. The thing is, you're going to spend 30 bucks to watch it in your house, right? But if it's anything like the Mulan, you own that movie now. You can watch it a dozen times. You can watch it 10 times a day um, for 30 bucks. Whereas people will go to the theaters, you know, four, five, six, seven times and spend 30 bucks each time they go and see it in a theater. That's a great- uh, so you're missing out on those repeat viewings um, from from the customers. Whereas, um, yeah, in the house, which I think would be a cool idea because you can rent movies on, you know, Amazon Video or whatever, uh, where you pay 10 bucks and you get it for 24 hours. And then after 24 hours, you know, that's it. So you can sit and watch it a dozen times during that one day, but you can't watch it tomorrow unless you pay another 10 bucks, um, which I think would be a better model than the one-time $35 fee because you're going to get a lot of people who, you know what, I'm not going to spend 30 bucks on this movie mm. that I don't know anything about. I'll spend 30 bucks to buy the Blu-ray, but maybe not to watch a movie that I've never seen. But you know what, to rent it for 10 bucks, Sure, why not? Yeah. 
it's a, it's an interesting point, but that that's the I suspect the psychological paywall, if you will, to the whole thing working because I you know I don't think I I think I saw Endgame twice or maybe three times in theaters, or maybe it was Infinity War, and it didn't bother me to go spend the money for the ticket and the you know something to eat and drink while I'm while I'm doing it, but I probably wouldn't have that same reaction to watching it you know paying to watch it three times at home i would be like f this i just want to buy it because i'm so psychologically conditioned to if i'm watching it at home it's because i own the blu-ray or i own the digital copy or i own both well how much do you pay for that blu-ray and that digital copy yes the the 30 bucks but that's but that's i you're hit on a really good point there nico the repeat viewing where people go to experience the event of watching it in theaters with an audience like that is a phenomenon to the box office total. I mean, Endgame didn't become the highest grossing movie of all time because, you know, all these people went to see the movie that never go to see movies. It's because people went to see it multiple times. That was yeah. why Titanic was the highest grossing movie of its era because people went to see it 10, 12, 15 times. Same with the original Star Wars, right? I mean, people went to see it 50 times in the theaters. But if you could pay half the price or less than that to watch it at home, would you? Yeah. And I yeah, I'm, more I'm, people I'm agreeing would with because, you. Yeah, that... I'm totally agreeing with you. I'm just wondering in my head, like, how do you justify that? How do you break? How would you, as a business, try to forecast that out and come up with a value proposition that works for consumers? Because I think you're right. I think you're you've hit on an area of the market that has to be figured out for I this mean, to I, truly work. I've I've rented movies on Amazon before, you know, paid six bucks or eight bucks or whatever to watch the movie for twenty four hours and I'll watch it once and it's like, oh that's a cool movie. And then but I'll never go back. And then that's literally though that's what I think when I'm looking on iTunes or something, like to watch a movie, do I rent it or do I buy it? I look at the price for rent, I look at the price to buy and I'm like, do I think I might watch this movie twice in my lifetime? And if the answer is even possibly yes, nine times out of ten I buy it because it's cheaper to just buy it once than yeah. rent it twice over seven years. <laughs> yeah, and depending on the, the model that you're looking at, if it's an older film, it's it's two ninety nine, maybe three ninety nine, or if yeah. it's a newer release, you're up to like Nico said, ten bucks or something. Yeah, you you as a as a consumer have to determine that. But what I think might be the 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 clincher here is this like what Steve was talking about earlier and us doing this group thing is if they can get group events in there, you kind of get a group event feel with it if they can get the money or the price point just right. So if you can rent or buy that movie, the, the, my biggest beef with the whole rental thing is what Nico keeps bringing up is the time frame. You get 24 hours. Um, if you if we all remember back, most of us can remember back to the the uh, Blockbuster video or your Corner Street video store. There were times where you could get a video for up to seven days. So they should start thinking about price point and rental times and stuff like that and incorporating that in some way, shape or form to maybe allow for the value of the rental to be worth it for the time that you get. Do you get a day like a brand new release for 24 hours and that's it? Or do you pay 30 or 40 bucks to own it and then you can do your group video stuff on Disney Plus or Amazon or how, whoever's going to be offering it? Yeah. What if the rental price for groups of a certain amount of people was cheaper? So if you can get your group of 10 friends to all watch the movie at the same time, instead of paying 10 bucks, you pay 6 bucks. 
because you're putting and then you get that feel of i'm watching this movie with all my friends yeah yeah there's a lot of a lot of things up in the air right now about this and the foreseeable future um I know we kind of got a little bit off onto a bigger subject, Dave, with the Marvel Cinematic Universe initial question, but I think these are fair questions to ask because I don't see, sadly, the U.S. opening up anytime in the foreseeable future. Even if theaters are open in Orange County, I'm still one of those people. There's no way in hell I'm going to a movie theater. Well, there, there are theaters open in our area of Southern California, but yeah. I... I I agree with you, Scott, without getting into what our personal preferences are. Yeah. yeah and right now today I am, I am with you. I'm not comfortable going, but yeah. that's going to be the challenge for the industries. Even if they were able to open up, if people aren't comfortable or confident going, it doesn't matter if they're open or closed. In some ways it's almost better if they're closed because the cost is less to just have the business shuttered than to try to be open and not have customers come in. Exactly. Exactly. So that's that's something they're going to have to. I mean, that's not just the industry that has to figure out how to make that happen, make that workable and doable. But that's sad to say, and I'm not trying to get even remotely political, but that's something we have to fix as a society here in the U.S. to make that doable. So if they're, you know, in front of Congress begging for them to, like, you know, help them out in these times, I understand, even if they're a company that makes billions and billions of dollars like Disney I get it. I totally understand what they're what they're driving home there. They're they're destroyed or they're being destroyed, just like most of us. Well, and Disneyland just announced layoffs of about twenty eight thousand people. Yeah. Matt, right did here I, in our backyard. Did I hear correctly that they're going to be opening up, or was that just a, a rumor going around? Um, we are getting closer in Orange County to getting to the next level where theme park openings might be a possibility. There's, okay. there's a lot of conflicting information. I saw something actually, this is specific to California for folks who are not in California listening to us, but I saw something on social media, so I don't know how true it is, but that the governor was uh, adding an additional criteria to the county reopening phasing thing that has to do with, uh, charting the progress not just throughout the county as a whole but looking specifically at the uh the low demographic neighborhoods and having another metric or marker in there like oh it's not just that the county on average is doing well but also looking at these demographic neighborhoods where the virus is throughout the state typically hitting hard you yeah. have to be okay in this area too okay i don't know if that's true i'm just saying i saw some reports on social media that that might be coming and if it does that would suggest to me that the theme parks are not going to open anytime soon simply because of mm-hmm. Orange oh, yeah. County and some of the and the reality that that some of the demographic neighborhoods particular to around Disneyland are not doing as well as the rest of the county. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Did I Yeah. Did I did, I, did that sound like I hit that- it right Steve? That's what I'm hearing as well, but I, I like to your point. I think there's a lot of misinformation, and and uh, we have not heard anything official from the governor's office at this point. Yeah. Um, so, and and it's not only that you need to hit the mark; you need to stay at the mark for a couple of weeks. So you need to keep those low case counts down uh, for two weeks until you know, so it's stable, and then you can get to the next level of opening up. In L.A. County, we're slowly opening up over the next 10 or 14 days. 
um, different types of, I think like indoor malls can open at 25% capacity. Uh, different types of businesses can start to open. I saw nail salons uh, are going to start opening. Nail salons are one of those. Yep, in in LA. Um, so yeah, it's it's slow, and we need to continue with extreme caution. Make sure we don't get a big uh, a big blip up upwards. That's it the, could be worse. We could be in South Dakota. It could be worse. We could have to listen to this. It's the Star Wars tweet of the week. Yahoo! Really. Curious. Because everybody knows that Twitter is a source of endless positivity. You're gravely mistaken. Come to your senses! Well, uh, there are a few Twitter accounts that are kind of funny. Sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) It's the Star Wars tweet of the week, brought to you by the Wretched Hive podcast. (laughs) Nowhere else on the internet can you find the Star Wars tweet of the week. Scott. So no. that's right. That's the facts. Facts right there. Fake news. Uh, Mark <laughs> Hamill. Maybe not so surprisingly, Mark Hamill tweeted national just a treasure. couple of days ago, national treasure. As Greg is fond of saying, Mark Hamill. This is at Hamill himself. That debate was the worst thing I've ever seen, and I was in the Star Wars holiday special. Oh. There you go, Mark. Yeah. He also tweeted, I swore I would never watch. No, no, that's something else. Uh, he tweeted, um, well, oh, shoot, which is the other one? Hold on. He had another good one. Um, <laughs> it's there, man. He tweeted about uh, Weird Al Yankovic, who, cre- who came out with a video of uh, himself moderating the debate. Um, uh, he, oh, here it is. Um, if Weird Al moderated one of these things, I want that to happen. I want to hear that voice screaming over trump's voice any yeah, day the video is pretty pretty entertaining you, you can find so, it uh the really quick dave the associated press said breaking the commission on presidential debate says it will add new quote tools to maintain order unquote to the upcoming debates after a chaotic first contest between president trump and democratic nominee joe mm-hmm. biden Mark doesn't Ham- matter there's already a tool on the stage so mark <laughs> mark hamill Responded to that and said, I hope the new tools include a mute button and a trap door over a pit of alligators that Mexico will pay for. <laughs> so that, that Mark Hamill tweet was part of a trend on Twitter last night of Hollywood celebrities saying that was the worst thing I've ever seen. And I wrote or appeared in this. Yes. So you had Jeremy Slater, whom you've never heard of, but uh, that was the worst thing I've ever seen. And I wrote the Fantastic Four. <laughs> Pull that one. <laughs> Thunder nice. Levin, that debate was the worst thing I've ever seen, and I wrote Sharknado. <laughs> Sharknado's some good stuff. Uh, this Twitter account that I don't recognize, that was the worst thing I've ever seen, and we wrote a scene where The Rock and Zac Efron examine a dead man's taint. <laughs> that wow. was the worst thing I've ever seen, and I wrote the movie Date My Mom. <laughs> there, there is one that talks about the new Hawaii Five-0, and I, I cried, I laughed and cried so hard on that one. Do, do you have that one in front of you, Dave? Yeah, I, I'm working my way down to it. Okay. That's what she said. That was the worst thing I've ever seen, and I produced the Morton Downey Jr. TV show. That's so, that's solid, and that was from somebody with a blue checkmark verified Twitter account. So I love that the producer of the Morton Downey Jr. show gets a blue checkmark. I can't get one. I'm the real Dave Potter. Wake the fuck up, Twitter. 
that was the worst thing I've ever seen, and I wrote the Strawberry Shortcake animated series. <laughs> I wouldn't admit that even in this context, first of all. <laughs> That's good. That uh, was the worst thing I've ever seen, uh, and I wrote the Stolen Horse se- Semen Christmas episode of Hawaii Five O. <laughs> still kills me. The Stolen Horse Semen episode. No, no. The yeah, that, that's a re- Scott will vouch for that. That's a thing. That is God, an actual Nico. thing. Mm. I didn't do it. I didn't. <laughs> that debate was the worst thing I've ever seen, and I'm part of the Wretched Hive. <laughs> oh, with that, we should wrap this up. You had to end on that one. That was that was solid, Nico. Well, well done, well done. Well, guys, that was a fun show. Episode one hundred sixty-one covered a lot. I think the uh, big moment on the show clearly was um, well the Moss Astley Cantina Lego set. I I, I just I just might. I, I, that might be a purchase in the ball. I'm not. I'm not lying about that at all. I might. I might go buy that. It's a little spendy at 350 bucks, but I don't know. It, it looks like something Steve would like. We'll see. We'll see about that. 2.99 on sale. Yeah, there. <laughs> 149 if you wait long enough, right? <laughs> uh, guys, episode 161 is officially in the books. Uh, any final thoughts? Yeah, I'm going to throw out real quick, uh, super huge thanks again to Matt and Darren from Generation X-Ray for having me on. I am going to be doing a follow-up episode right before the premiere, I believe, of The Mandalorian. And then we are doing, Steve, a crossover event. So look forward to that. Like the old comic books, a crossover event Yes, between Generation X-Ray and the Wretched High Pie. That's going to be a lot of fun. Look forward to that one. Nico, what do you have going on this week? How's your how's your job going there, buddy? Um, well, let's put it this way. Uh, I took an unexpected mental health day today because uh, things are going so unbelievably well that I just couldn't be there and deal with what I have to deal with today. So That's why you have benefits. You take advantage of those days. Good for you, man. I have the time. I'm going to use Yes. It. Excellent. Well, guys, this has been a lot of fun. We will return in two weeks. By the way, please go download the Steve Sansweet interview, episode 160. If you're a Star Wars fan, as I put out on Facebook, if you're, if you're a Star Wars fan, listen to the episode. If you're not a Star Wars fan, you should be a Steve Sansweet fan. Guys, have a great couple of weeks. And may the Force be with us all.